Welcome to the New Church Live podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Chuck Blair. The mission of our church is to provide an accepting space where everyone belongs. This podcast is an extension of that. On this podcast, we will be sharing stories from the church community that shine a light on each other's personal struggles and victories. These stories provide the space for spiritual connection and for building community with one another, and ultimately providing a spiritual home. Thank you for listening. Let's get to the episode. So, folks, I am so excited to be here with my my buddy, Curtis Childs, and we're going to have a little conversation about Christianity, the Christian New Church perspective, the Swedenborgian perspective, who was Emmanuel Swedenborg, and and looking at those kinds of questions. And we're we're going to be doing it in a very low-key way. So, first off, thank all of you for joining us. And secondly, thank you to Curtis for all he brings to New Church Live, as well as the fact that he's willing to have a conversation on a beautiful afternoon. So, so Curtis, I'll just let you do a little introduction of yourself, and then we'll hop right on in. So let you sure. say hi to everyone out there. Hey, everybody. I feel like, Chuck, this this conversation makes an afternoon beautiful. I love talking about this kind of stuff. And <laughs> like, I, I love being in the sunshine, but this is like sunshine for the soul. So yes. let's, um, I so I um, have a role at New Church Live. Um, I've been working as the executive director there for a while. Actually, it was part of New Church Live way back when it was founded, but I came on recently um, to for a chance to work with you, Chuck, and your team and and you know talk about the the Swedenborg New Church stuff. I also uh, work at the Swedenborg Foundation. I'm the chief visionary officer there. I primarily am consumed with making YouTube videos where I explain the concepts of New Church theology. And we we put them out to through the miracle of social media to, to find people who are interested in and fed by them. So I, I do that and then a few other odds and ends, but I, I've been devoting all the energy I have to trying to pass along the value to other people that I have found in the the new new church theology. Ah, good good stuff. And we and a number of you watching this, I, I know, have had that experience. A number of you are part of New Church Live through the off the left eye videos. And and Curtis, I'll get started right there. Like like the value part. If if you were if somebody were to just ask you, all right, Curtis, what's the real value of a Christian New Church perspective? How would you articulate what the primary value, as you see it, uh, is? Yeah the the Christian New Church perspective gives you a way to see the world that has all of the depth and heart of Chris, the Christian tradition and all of the love of near-death experiences and, and the things that are most inspiring to people while giving you an incredibly satisfying and useful and actionable rational framework. It is really a, a holistic picture of life that weaves together things that you would never think could go together. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's like human empathy and kindness and, and, and rationality right alongside the sacred things like the Bible and and um, the rituals that we do, like ho- Holy Supper and baptism, all of that going together with, with satisfying your intellectual curiosity and your psychological needs. It, it gives you, I, I would sometimes like to call it the whole story. Like yeah. the Christian New Church picture is, is the whole story. And in my humble opinion, it says just like, not even head and shoulders, but whole person above anything else that I found to work with. It's, it's not even close. It's not even close. 
and and it continues to to be alive for me. I've been I've been at it for a minute. Uh, you know, I'm 38, and I started just probably 20 years ago when I started in earnest to to read and and have the 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 teachings occupy like sort of my my main focus. And just today, man, I was sitting out with one of uh, Swedenborg's books and just and learning from it. And it, it doesn't feel like it's getting stale. It feels like it's getting fresher as I understand it better. I mean, I don't know. That's That's been my, what about your experience? Oh, Curtis, man, that boy, that teased me up as soon as you're saying that, because I think it's so true. So I'll answer this. The the second part you were making there first, you know, this morning I was reading this piece where we were saying love is the very basis of all creation. And it's a love that stretches from eternity to eternity. And I, I just love that idea. Like here we are in a present moment and we can look back and see this thread of love and we can look forward and see this thread of love. Yeah. Where I want, where I want to, where I want to look back, I want to look back in complaint and I will look forward in doom, <laughs> you know, and like, yes, we're like, dude, let it go. It's not, not how it works, you know, not how it works. And uh, yeah, yeah. For, for me, it really, where, where it comes alive is, and it's a simple concept, but it's so profound. You know, the idea in the new church, we really believe in the transformative nature of love and the transformative nature of God's love. And it's not transactional. You know, it's not like, you know, this this sitting there and God will love you if or God will love you when. No, just God loves you. And and there's some responsibility that goes along with that. Just like good parents, they love you and you got to be responsible. You got to sort of step up and do your bit, do your thing. And, uh, and so much of that is getting the bad stuff out of the way because the good stuff is the default. I mean, how crazy is that, you know? And and when we let that happen, when we get the bad stuff out of the way, you know, transformative love enters our lives and and uh, we find ourselves more and more happy, joyous, and free as the saying goes. So so that's that's it for me. What do you oh, think? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the picture of what love is and who God is and what our work here is that – Swedenborg gives in his theology is it matches how the rest of life is. You'll have a lot of churches and doctrines that say something like something like God, God will burn you forever in hell unless you say one little prayer thing and then you'll go to heaven forever. Like there's so much wrong with that. (laughs) I was walking around um, the Bernathan Cathedral today and someone had stuck this little pamphlet about the fires of hell in in, in a little place there. It wasn't the cathedral. It was somebody else is just like trying to say, look, look, guess what, people? You might be uh, tormented for eternity um, unless you say this little prayer. That is not how anything else works. That is not how anything else works. Yeah. Think about if you had an actual person who's like, I only love you if you jump through this one hoop. And if you don't, I'm going to hurt you as badly as I possibly can. That's like that match. If this world we see around us is the handiwork of God, uh, that's not the same artist thing you're talking about. Whereas what Swedenborg talks about, which is, yeah, absolutely. If we think about what are the most loving, revered people, like Mother Teresa or Gandhi or what do we, it's because they loved, even when people were mean to them, they loved, even that's, that's what moves us about them. That's what's inspiring. Are they better than God? Have, has, have they gone way beyond where God is? Of course, God would have to be the, this ultimate expression of it. Even Jesus Christ, who he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
Yeah. It, it, the power the power is in look, of course I love you. But on the other hand, yes. The things if you don't do things how they're supposed to be done, it causes problems. We see that everywhere. It's just how everything is structured. If I don't take some time to uh drink enough water, I'm going to be thirsty. And if I don't if I still don't drink water, it's going to be a problem. That's how everything has these systems and rules. And so I can't sit here and you know, laugh at the misfortunes of others and want to be better than them and and not regard them and be self-centered. And I'm partners with God because God is the opposite of that. Yeah. I gotta I gotta choose. Do I want to embrace that stuff or reject it? I could go on, but I'm just saying it's satisfying. I don't have to take my brain out when I go to <laughs> church and say, okay, well, the love that I'm hearing about from God is different than the way love and, and the rules and everything is way different than how human interaction works. But I guess that's just because it's religion. No, this is like the, the things we experience here with each other are this little picture of the grand relationship to God. Yeah. Yeah. Curtis. And, and you know, the other part too, with that brain part, you know, it's a thing. I, one of the things I've really loved about a, a new church perspective is, you know, it gets back to that holistic word, right? We're not asked to, to, you know, sort of with parking our brain, I think that can be part of it. And there's also can be this, okay, you've got to use your brain, but you've got to use your brain because there's this spiritual part. And then there's this natural part. And then there's your job. And then there's your marriage and never the twain shall meet. Right. You know, and, and, and from a Christian new church perspective, we're not asked to do, I mean, it's a story I tell a lot, but seeing as, you know, probably some new folks will be listening to this. One of the, one of the most beautiful lines I heard about a Swedenborgian perspective was the guy who was the founder of Unitarian Universalist wrote a sermon. I read the sermon. He talks about Swedenborg in the sermon and he's saying, oh, Swedenborgians, they believe even their job is holy. And I thought, yes, like, right? Like, yes, even your job is a way to serve the world. Even, even your marriage and not all marriages work, right? But, but even marriage is a way to serve the world. And to, and to help other people. I love that perspective. And I, I imagine yeah. you've seen that a lot, right? Totally, totally. Especially your job, especially your job and especially your marriage. Yeah. That those are things. Yeah. It's religion is not in some little irrelevant box. All the stuff in the theology is telling you how to, how to reach heaven in your job, how to reach heaven in your marriage. That, that, that's the only place that, that it really exists. It, theology and learning and church and that only exists as a way to equip us to do the good that, that's in the world. So yeah, it's, it's, I didn't even think about that, but of course that that's, that's another part of the value of it is that, and that's the reason why I got interested in new church theology is because it was not because it was pleasant to read and think about those ideas, but because it was helping me in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Helping me in the and your life consists of the things that fill it. So it, it was helping me in the way I thought and felt about things. It was helping me in how I treated other people. It was helping give me a sense of purpose. And it's now it colors the way that I approach everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well Curtis, along those lines, like for yourself personally, when you think about that, um so here's this theology that just colors my life. And, and uh, yeah, I guess, okay, totally corny question, but what color would it be? And, 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 and how would that color change the way you see things? The color. Okay. So you're going to pin me down on my metaphor here. Yes, totally. Oh, well, it's, um, it is purple. Yeah. 
Well, I know that the, so the new century edition, which is the newest translation of, of Swedenborg works, they, they made all their covers to it purple. And that is because purple is a mixing of red and blue. And so, and I think so. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not an artist, but pretty sure that's how it goes. Um, So red is the color that corresponds or symbolizes love, and blue is the color that symbolizes truth. And the way the the, you could say if you had to try to write a thesis sentence for Swedenborg is that that um, uh, the marriage of goodness and truth is is heaven. So in everything, putting goodness together with truth and having truth lead to the good is what makes anything of God. It's what what makes anything in the divine design. So there's equal parts excitement for me in in the theology about oh the structure and the thought, but then it's also about oh the the fairness and the justice and the the empathy and the the solving and the healing. Those those things are have to be together. And I think we run into problems whenever we separate them. I think people who, who just try to get irrational and take, take love out of ideas, especially religious ideas, you end up doing harm because you end up with stuff doing acting inhumane and people who want to take truth out of it and just say, well, it's all love. It's all love. Just like hug everyone. You can't hug somebody if they got the flu. Yeah. <laughs> that you're going to have the flu and you're not going to be able to take care of them. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's like, it's got to be love. And there's different ways to love. And and depending on the situations we're all in, and unless you take the time to to learn and have that wisdom, you, you're not really going to accomplish anything through love. So to me, it's the purple is the balance of love and wisdom. Yeah, it's, it's beautifully put. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking as you said that about like a heart surgeon, right? Like, a heart surgeon, I, I want them to love people, right? But they better know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, like it's and it's no good. Like if they don't know what they're doing and they're cracking me open, uh, I don't want that. But I also don't want somebody who just is a pure scientist, you know. Who's, yeah, it's like who, don't worry, Chuck. I, I love you. What's this thing, Scott? <laughs> right, right. Which which um, you know, and medical is a great example because if you have a doc, if you go to the doctor. And you can tell they're smart, but they're they don't care about you, and so they're not really listening to you. And they're just like, "Oh yeah, take take this, take this this pill," um, but it's not really what you need. That's a problem. Yeah. Or if you go to the doctor and they're really attentive and they really care, but they don't that you're describing your symptoms and they just haven't studied enough. They don't know that there's this condition that that those match. That doesn't do anything anyway. But the feeling of, and probably we've experienced it a few times in our lives. You go to the doctor and. This doctor is looking right at you and they care about you and they know what they're talking about. It's the best feeling in the world. Yeah, it really makes a big difference. I was thinking, I preached on it a few uh, few months back and, and the idea, difference is, right, as well, like I want somebody who can who can not just build a house, but build a home, you know, and that that's that that's that purple. That's that love and wisdom together where it's where it's like it comes together. And those those are smart people. Those are kind of it's like a good doctor you're talking about. That's the kind of person you really want to be around. Somebody who has that that level of warmth. How, how can I bring that to everything that I do? Yeah. So if I'm going to do my job, how do I bring love and wisdom to this? So love is how do I do this job with a thought on the good that it's doing? Not like, OK, how do I? clock in, clock out. How do I make as much money as I can? 
to the exclusion of the purpose. But what, what am I doing for the world in this? How is that helping people focus on that? Treat my colleagues with respect and with love. Um, treat the customer with respect, whatever your field is. And then wisdom is how do I learn how to do this better? What what do I need to know in order to to do this well? Um, that's it. It's, it's not it's not rocket science. No, no. And I love that it, it creates a spiritual purpose around it, right? A bigger bigger picture. Curtis, one of the things like uh, you and I both, you know, your job more and more expansive way, my job in more of a sort of a community way. But you know, we we both deal with people coming with the ache, you know, like they just they feel like something's just missing, right? They just, like most people, my experience is most people don't come to church. You know, it's a great day. It's 85 degrees out today. It's beautiful. It's sunny. I'm going to church, right? It's not, doesn't tend to be how most people do. Now, probably a few people do, right? But but a lot of people come to it because there's this ache and there's this 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 feeling of emptiness or loneliness or how, how would you, like I'm thinking that a lot of people who watch this will be some who are, who are, interested in the Swedenborg Foundation, some are interested in New Church Live, and some are just like, they'll, they're going to stumble across it somehow, and they'll just be like, I have an ache. I have an ache. And how would you how would you hold that? Like, what do you think that ache is about for people? And and how do you experience that in your line of work? Like, what are the things that they're coming saying? Like, yeah, this is this is where I'm, this is where I'm really feeling it in my life. I'm feeling it, a void. And, and then how do you kind of have that conversation with them on the back end of that, you know? A lot of the time, it's because somebody died. Yeah. People, uh, when someone dies that they're that they love a lot, they are looking for answers, and they're they're searching through YouTube in this case, and just trying to find. There's a hole there that that the current understanding of the world doesn't fill, and so they're looking for some comfort. Um, also, a lot of um, you know, the New Church theology, the descriptions of of heaven and how. There's a, our life continues from here to there, and it's not as different as you might think. I don't know. We had a there was a couple I talked to where their son had been killed actually in like a terrorist incident, and the the mother was saying like I needed to know what what's my son doing right now? Mm-hmm. Not just enough. Is he alive? Is he still? Does he still exist? I can't picture that. The reason why when somebody goes off to college somewhere. It doesn't hurt the same way as when they die is because we, okay, I get where they are. All right. I get where they are, but sometimes people need to be able to picture that. Um, other times pe- people are, uh, people are lonely or they feel like they don't have a purpose or they feel like uh, life isn't good. The ache absolutely drives people. And it, it, it's what drives me. I think it drives us all in spurts. When, when I first really got into new church theology, it was because I was having this like sort of depressive breakdown thing at, at like 19 and really, it's been my struggles that have kept me so interested in it. The fact that I'm just, by nature, I'm just kind of a neurotic person that needs support. And that's why I've been so interested in this material. And the, by the way, Swedenborg says that we really grow spiritually through these through the ache. Because when you're in the ache, it, it's not fun, but you can notice that it does some good things for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes, it makes you take, take the God thing really seriously. Like you're really looking for it. If there's ever anybody who's really committed to something spiritual or, or to has a conviction about God, I usually think like, what did they go through to get that? 
It's a great point. I, I think about when people, you know, we have a lot of people uh, in, from the 12-step tradition, which has some big Swedenborgian connections. But, uh, you know, when somebody, you know, that's Alcoholics, suppose you aren't wearing a 12-step tradition, it's Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, et cetera. And, and when somebody tells me they're a 12-step person, I'm always like, oh, they get it. You know, they get it. They they get yeah. it's, it's their faith is hard won. It's not a glib. There's nothing glib about it. Is it to them the idea that you you absolutely need God to to survive? That's that's not um, theoretical to them. If you've ever been to a place where you really realize I need help, yeah, then you have genuine humility. Whereas the rest of us are okay, yeah, maybe, but I've I've pretty much got it together on my own. Genuine humility is a really powerful thing to have because of that is a realization of the truth, which is that we're totally dependent on God. It doesn't seem like it. It seems like you just go around and, you know, I can do pretty well. I can earn money. I can, I can make jokes. I'm all right. I'm doing all right. But that is, we are dependent on God. If, if God wasn't giving us the ability to do all this, we wouldn't be able to do it for a second. And to actually come to realize that is, is actually a, one of the key steps to becoming happy. Yeah. Because, because that th- this whole I'm look at me I'm I'm an independent thing it's me against the world and I, I live for myself and I'm God's maybe out there somewhere that's not a happy state of life it can go well for at times but then it goes poorly it, there, there's not lasting happiness in it but there is happiness in realizing that we are we are we're like a little we're like a little kid we're like a little child and God is is leading us that that there's happiness in that. It's amazing too, Curtis, like the peace that comes along with that too, because it just, it just, there's a peacefulness that comes, a restfulness that comes with the idea we're being held, no matter what, where we are in our life, that there's a bigger holding that just, uh, just, I find, I find very, very peaceful. You know, the idea that, that God and that, from a Christian New Church perspective, uh, God and love, that's, that's the real force. Like there is no, we have we believe in divine providence, right? There's this stream that's that's pushing us all towards heaven, and uh, there's no other stream. Like there's not, you know, you know, like hell in a sense feels very powerful, but in reality, it's nothing. Like it has no power because it's it just has no power, and because love is where the power is. I don't know. It's just just interesting to me the way those those things all work. When 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 you share with when you share with someone. Uh, you know, you said like, yeah, the ache oftentimes happens when someone dies, which is really true. I experienced that a lot as a pastor too. And what do you find that they find the most comforting part? I mean, outside of obviously that we live, you know, that there's life after death. Is there is there something in particular about the new church vision for life after death that you have found is profoundly moving for many people? I think people are moved by a credible description so that oh this could re- that could actually be yeah it could actually be like that 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 makes sense i think i think people are we just did a, a, a show called you'll never be lonely in heaven and it was about how the way that the the afterlife works is that so here physically physical forces are what shape everything so gravity shapes everything well I'm, I'm only where i am because gravity is keeping me down here spiritually it's love 
that that shapes everything. So people are pulled together as you, if you will, by the love that's in them. And so that causes people to spontaneously form communities together of people who are of like mind and heart. And, and you've experienced within that because of that universal principle that's constant, just like physical laws are constant here, you experience this incredible sense of belonging and incredible sense of camaraderie with the people that, that you, that you end up spending your days with. So I, I believe that this idea that there's a particular place for you that is perfectly suited to who you are. And there's a place that same place to all the people that you love. I think that that means something. And I think it shows that ultimately, yeah, that life, life is love, love centric in the end. It doesn't seem like it here. It seems like yeah. we're just buffeted around. We're just buffeted around and people seem disposable and like no one's really caring for us. And sure, there's like the tragedies that happen, the external things, people people die, uh, accidents happen. But even inside, people are lonely. People don't feel like they're, anyone really cares about them. It seems like really nobody's watching out for us. But underneath that, there is this concerted, tireless, loving effort by God to say, and you're perfect for this one particular place in heaven. You are going to be the happiest here. You are going to contribute to the human race in a way that nobody else can. Uh, and I'm, and this whole thing is about me getting you there so you can be happy forever as part of this big human family. I mean, what's not to like about that? Yeah, yeah. It's a good point. You know, and as you were saying that, I was thinking of that whole, I was talking with a friend today, we we're out to lunch and talking about the whole idea of, you know, a lot of people religion can be a little off-putting because they think it's talking about homogeneity, you know, that everyone is exactly the same and you have to fit into this box. And a Swedenborgian view is much more about harmony, not homogeneity. You know, it's much more about each of us brings our voice, our instrument, as it were, to it, and that that God creates this beautiful harmony out of it. And the surrender is to the music. The surrender that's what we learn to surrender to. And that's that's such a that's such a powerful concept for me because it, it it means that that the self when held right is this treasured thing in a in new church theology it's not i mean yeah selfishness is really bad but but we do have i mean i love the swedenborg in the old translations where he talks about a heavenly own you know with a with a capital o because it's 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 god's gift in us it's god's gift to us and that's what we bring you know that's what we bring to to jobs that's what we bring to our relationships that's a really important thing it's this funny, almost paradox that in the way that Swedenborg describes kind of the state of being in heaven is that you you realize there more clearly than you ever have that that you are dependent on God, that your life comes from God, that without God's love, we would, wouldn't exist at all. And at the same time, you feel more like yourself and more like an independent person than, than you ever have. And this is something that God wants you to feel like that actually angels like people he, he Swedenborg just calls people who have gone to heaven angels the angels would would probably not even want like oh i don't i don't want this like i don't want my my sense of self but god wants them to have it because that is the way in which um we can be made happy and the way in which we can we can bring together this this thing like you're talking about and no homogeneity is not what heaven is like what heaven is like if you want to picture of what heaven is like, look at your body. The human body is the form of heaven. Swedenborg says that it's, it's actually this microcosm of divine order. So 
the stuff on your body is not the same. Fingers, all your fingers are different from each other. They're very different than the stuff on your face. They're very different from the stuff that's inside your belly and inside your chest. There are all these different things. That is not at all, we're not one thing because we're all the same. We're one thing because we have the same purpose. We're one thing because we're working toward the same goal. So everything in me is working toward homeostasis, toward toward letting the spirit of Curtis have this physical life. Yeah. Evan is all these different people being their different selves, but yet, whereas here you can have a bunch of people who are different and we all hate each other. And that doesn't seem like heaven there. Everybody's different. Every single individual is different, but we all love the same thing the most, which is the welfare of all, which is the same thing as saying the Lord. So that is how you make a unity. Actually, the more complexity you have in the parts, the greater the unity is. You, you can build much better things with different kinds of parts, the human body being, of course, a prime example of that. So heaven gets better the more people get into it because we all bring our own contribution to it. And yeah, it's not about er- evaporating or or erasing, but it, it, but there is this element of like, oh, yeah, it'd be nothing without God. So it's kind of both at the same time. Yeah, that's really well said, Kirsten. It's just, it just is fascinating to watch. Uh, yeah, I just, I just find it fascinating to watch when people are in that, in that space. And, um, you know, I, I don't like term of people say, well, they're really in the flow. That's just me. That's just my own little way. But that's what it is. It's, they're just in the flow. They're just, and, and it doesn't matter whether you're talking, uh, you know, a guy serving ice cream or, you know, an elementary school teacher, like to watch people who are really doing what God has intended them to do, where they're they're offering their unique gift. And, and, and I think for some of us, it's a long journey to get there. For some of us, maybe even we don't find it per se in this life, but we'll find it in the next. That's just powerful. That's just powerful stuff, you know, I think very, very powerful. Yeah, there's there's plenty of time. It seems like here in this life, it's about beginnings, it's about getting off on the right foot. And I think with with what yeah what you're going to do for your occupation who knows if you find your your dream occupation or not but what we can be co- cultivating is a love for for doing what's right through our occupation so wherever you are you can be working on that same thing with marriage for example Swedenborg talks about how marriage can be this amazing union where two people grow closer and closer forever and they're happier and happier ah you know doesn't doesn't know happen here but we can be working on this. Uh, hey, I'm I'm going to try to to the best of my ability, you know, have the the elements that that love the elements that make for that, just like friendship, trust, those sorts of things. All right, we're going to try in that direction. Swedenborg never got married, but he thought, you know, in in heaven, God will get you everything. So you're going to be the the, the plan is for you to be fully fulfilled in terms of work and your use and your contribution to society fully fulfilled in terms of relationships and, and, and you making sure you, you're connected to all these people that make your heart sing, um, you know, in, in marriage relationship, that's there too. That that's sure. Whatever it looks like on this level, this level is really about beginnings. I mean, but, but there is a, we are destined to have all those things in abundance. Yeah. So, so interesting. And, and maybe you could speak a little bit to that whole idea. And we use the term, um, more colloquially, but the term soulmate, which is, which is, again, we don't use that per se. You won't hear that in a lot of Christian new church circles, but, but in a sense, that is what we believe, you know, and in terms of heaven. And I'm sure there's some people right now who are interested. Yeah. You know what? I really love this person. They passed away or 
I'm single or I'm divorced and I've never found the right one. Like, yeah. How, how do you think? Yeah. What's, what's the Swedenborgian genius or, or, or perspective around that? Yeah. So we're, we're meant to, we're meant to become one. Swedenborg talks about two people that deeply love each other actually being one angel. So that we're, we're, we're human beings. It's like I talk about the marriage of goodness and truth back in the beginning. Human beings are inherently are made to connect. Um, that's a connection that that happen, can happen in a, a you know, commitment to somebody and can go on forever. So Swedenborg met with uh, angel couples who had been married for thousands of years and they were, it was just getting better and better. And, and he says that, that that can bring you into continued um, joy and you, you get more and more vibrant as you go because it's a microcosm. It's a little picture of the grander connections in life. It's like heaven is all about connection. God with the human race is all about this connection and this living together. Uh, within each one of us, there's the marriage of goodness and truth. And then you can have this love relationship, this soulmate relationship and whatever. I mean, you know, some people, right. It's easy. They, when they're 18, they meet someone and they're like, Oh, we love each other. And they stay together for some of us. It's like more twists and turns and all that stuff, but it's really about coming to like, do you want it? If you want it, God can put it there. And it's really more about like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, say no to the stuff that's destructive to that. That's against that. Um, that that's, yeah, it, it can be to people whose, whose spouse has died. Absolutely. My, my grandmother. So I, my, my middle name is Leonard after my grandfather who I never met. He died before I was born. And, and so my grandmother on who's now passed on, but she, so she, she had been without him for decades and decades, but she always felt like, Oh yeah, we're, st- we're still married. We're still working on our marriage. And she had this whole group she was doing for people whose partner was on the other side, but they felt like they still had that connection. Um, yeah, that, that any love isn't severed by death. The love is not physical. It's a spiritual thing. So I would say that, that yeah, regardless of temporary separations, that, that can last forever. And Swedenborg talks specifically about people who hadn't found a partner or had been with a couple different people and had never seemed to work he said about it getting cleared up and in the afterlife you can see more clearly do i have a deep similarity with this person like are we really meant for each other and if we're not you can you can go your ways amiably um and and maybe it's someone you have been with on earth maybe it's not maybe it's someone that you never met but you'll you'll meet them in the afterlife and either way god is not interested in in robbing anyone of the chance to to have that deeply fulfilling kind of I don't know, storybook ending or, or storybook beginning to life. I think that's the reason why we kind of, that that tugs at our heartstrings because it is meant to be there, but it doesn't have to look perfect on this side in order for you to be on a path toward it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love, I love the idea of seeds and, and uh, Swedenborg uses the word, I, it's an old translation. He says the furthest we can get in any stage of life is an egg for the next. I don't like the word egg there. That's not our normal language usage. Right. Uh, but I like the word seed, right? And the idea that the furthest we can get in any point of life is a seed for the next. I think it's so true of relationships. Like that's just we're just trying to plant some seeds and you know, till till the field, leave the rest for grace, as the saying goes, and just just like allow that to grow, allow that to grow for for all time. It's really important. You know, just a, just a, yeah. God's in charge of it. God, people can't do it 
people can't do it. God can do it when he wants to do it, which is the same, same thing with everything. Like ultimately it's divine providence that can do these things. And we can try to invite that into our life, but you're not going to be sitting there. Like I'm going to make the perfect life for myself. I'm going to find my way into the perfect heaven. I'm going to make the perfect relationship um, that God can do it. And he's, and he loves you more than you love yourself. So he's going to find out a way to make that, to make that happen just the way it needs to happen. The challenge for us, I think is to, um, push away what would be destructive to that in all forms. So anything that's, you know, the, the usual stuff that religion tells you not to do, don't, don't hate, don't murder, don't steal. And, and all the kind of subtler versions that we do to each other, don't do that stuff. And, and then try to build up the trust and and the trust and the, and the belief in the truth, which is that God knows what's going on and is looking out for us. Yeah. 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 And, and, and as I'm thinking about audiences, right. I'm thinking about, what what would what would you say? Like one of the things that strikes me is is a lot of people there's sort of this um uh you know our culture is so entertainment focused you know and and so focused on a, a lot of the time on sort of um can be very alluring you know sort of superficial concerns and I think for a lot of people church is kind of like this old fuddy duddy thing and you know the idea of you know you look at Christianity just you know, Barna did this, did a study, top five words you think of when you, when you hear the word Christian, they were not good words, you know, at all. And, and how would, how would you speak to someone who, you know, not a bad person, you know, they're, they're good, they're, they're nice, they're just kind of going through life at a, at a, at a nice, comfortable, two-dimensional hum, you know, they're, they're just doing their thing. There's no rock in the boat. There's nothing really good. There's nothing really bad. It's kind of like, and, and, uh, you know, but they're content, like, and they're sort of thinking, why would I rock the boat? Why would I, I don't really need this because like my life is just mad and mad okay. You know, um, I, I, I just, I experienced that a lot in our culture and I don't want to like point people out. I just experienced that a lot in our culture. Yeah. You know, just, Wow. What 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 kind of man are you, are you talking about? Man, like I'm. This is good enough for me. Or man, like oh, it's not great, but there's nothing better out there. I I think I think a little bit of both. You know, yeah. just that. You, you know, like like to me, to me, one of the biggest challenges is apathy. Right? It's not. It's just okay. that apathetic, like, you know, so what? You know? Yeah. Well, so let's say that your son or daughter was in that mode. Uh. Are you going to be content with that? Mm. No. As a parent, you're like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. You have, you have so much potential. There's so much more you could be getting out of life. I know. No, no, no. Come on. Go, go do this. Go apply for this thing. Go explore this thing. You can be happier. That's that. You can be happier than that. So the God, the urge of God or the purpose of God, the intent of God is to constantly unite more and more deeply with each one of us so that we'll become happier and happier. And that is done through all kinds of ways. It's done through the relationships we're in, through the job that we're in, through the the um, the love and the truth that we learn. So I, I wouldn't think that somebody who really is invested in you and and wants not just, there's, there's a line in Swedenborg's writings that the divine intent is that everyone should be most profoundly and fully happy. So until you get there, it's not good enough. And especially since there's not really a neutral 
life. There's stuff that's either going to eventually tend toward unhappiness and, and destructiveness or stuff that will eventually tend toward deep, deep happiness and, and constructiveness. So I would say apathy, I guess that's why sometimes the boat has to get rocked by these, these sort of challenges that we're saying before, because we can settle or, or we can be locked into something where we, we think it's fine. Everything's fine. How I'm living is just fine, but it's not because actually we're causing harm. We're, yeah. we're, we're in all kinds of ways. We're causing harm to the people around us or we're, we're hurting our own. Um, we're, we're hurting our own future. We're not, we're not take, we're not living up to, the potential for our own happiness. There's better things that could be in store for us there. So usually, uh, you know, it'd be very hard to grab someone and say like, Hey, you got to be interested in this thing. You're not interested in. Usually it's life will, something hits you in life. It's like, um, I got gutters around my house and I got like grading and on the soil and, and, you know, I haven't really kept up with it, but whatever. When that tropical storm hits, suddenly it matters. Right. Suddenly stuff that you could just let slide is like, oh, no, 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 this matters. And I think that's the way it is when, when stuff is difficult in life is it shows us. Oh, uh, I'm maybe places where I thought everything was good. It's not. I need to get like there's all these ways I can get better. And then, you know, in any movie, it's like the sort of hard hearted person opens up and finds out, oh, there's so much more to life than I had. I think, yeah, you're not going to snap people out of that, but that's what the ache is for. Yeah, right. Well, it was it was funny this morning. I was listening to a rabbi and he was talking about a fish in water and how water is kind of our comfort, right? We swim in waters that we're familiar with the temperature. And he said a fish is most likely to discover water when they're pulled out of it. <laughs> but in the water, the water is fine, but it can't be the purpose of your life. Yeah, right. The, the comfort zone is great. I love being in my comfort zone. I love it, man. And we at you know, after I've eaten dinner and it's like, okay, I get to eat my dessert. I'm happy then. It's all right. I've done, done my work for the day. It's like almost time for bed, but I'm going to play a little bit of video games before, but I love that. I love that. But that can't be the whole purpose of your life. It has to be in service of usefulness. The only way the human soul actually gets satisfied and happy is through being in some way useful to the human race. Yeah. And the, 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 all that other stuff, the comfort zone, that can be good recharge and regenerate and recuperate to get you ready and refreshed for that. But if it becomes the goal of your life, it's a problem because eventually it, it doesn't can't keep you happy. It will eventually like you, that stuff grows boring and stale. It, it doesn't the equation doesn't work long term. That's why, you know, you've got to get it just ordered right. Yeah. I was thinking of, as you said that, you know, that phrase, the hedonistic treadmill, you know, that if we if we just hold life like as entertainment, what do we want? We want more and more entertainment and it becomes becomes insatiable. This one author I like said, you know, our primary skill with computers these days is browsing. And I thought, oh, yeah. that's that's true, right? It's just like flicking through. And and one of the pieces, I love to hear your thoughts on this, Curtis. One of the things I really enjoy about the new church is, is and it's, it's going to come across weird because I don't have great language around it, but the idea that the externals of your life may look exactly the same. Like, uh, you know, you, you may not do anything differently. It's about motivation, right? You may, in other words, you, you still may be doing your nine to five Joe bag of donuts thing, right? It's just, it's just with a different, the inside is what diff, what's different. Now, sometimes the outside is different, but, 
but it's the inside. And that, that inside is just a different, it just ends up being a different place. Yeah. What does a spiritual life look like? Yeah. If you are really spiritual, what would it be? You know, do you, do you sit cross-legged? Do you, um, do you do a lot of going to the top of mountains? You're reading the Bible a ton. The, the main component of a spiritual life, like you're saying, is the intent behind what you're doing. So if you can be, as, as we said, you can be at work and there's a million different reasons why you're doing what you're doing. If you're doing it because you want to do something good for people, then you're in heaven there. When you're at home with your family, if if you're saying, hey, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to help out this thing around the house because I know that'll make my spouse feel good. Or I know that that's going to free up of this space so my kid can draw there or something. There's, that's heaven in that. Swedenborg does talk about how the sa- a, th- a thousand people can do the same action and it can have a thousand different qualities because it's not even about the action. It's about the intent behind the action. So the main spiritual work is about changing our intent and, and and what we focus on and what we enjoy. So the more that I can enjoy things, more than I can enjoy things that I know are making people happy, the more that I can enjoy things that I know are good for people, the more I'm in heaven. The more that I enjoy things that I know are harmful or neutral to people, the less I'm in heaven. Yeah. And, and we tie that in, tie that in with the idea of the pleasures of insanity, a phrase I love, you know, yeah. Well, what, why, what, it's good to be nice. It's bad to be bad, right? That's pretty simple. Why are we bad so much? Cause it feels good. Right. 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 <laughs> why do, why do people fly off into road rage? It's because there is a sort of weird, I, I'm the pleasure of like, I'm going to, you're so dumb and I'm going to tell you it <laughs> that there's, there's a, we do it cause there's a pleasure in it. Why do people, uh, you, you look up, go, go watch a, crime show or listen to a podcast about people who do the worst things. Why do they do it? Because they love doing it. Why do people cheat and swindle? They love doing it. I just watched this documentary about um, Bernie Madoff. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know Bernie Madoff's state. You can never know someone's spiritual state or why they were doing something. He may have had good motivations, but been confused, but that it seemed like this is a picture of somebody who's just like, ah, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm swindling all these people because I like it. Because I, I like I like the power that it gives me. I like the riches that I get from it. It, it feels good. Why do pe- we have to like one up people in conversation? Why do we talk uh, about people behind their backs? Because it's fun. It's fun. Those are the pleasures of insanity. What, that that's what drives everything that's negative. So if we can start to notice those, the only reason we get involved in anything that's bad is because of the the pleasure that comes with it. And just notice there's a difference. That's sort of like let there be light. You can see there's a difference between certain things that feel good and are harmful and other things that feel good and are helpful. And more we can make the things that feel good and are good that are one, you know, the same internally and externally, the more we can make those what we honor and live and buy and love and do the more we're in heaven. Yeah. That's, you know, and I, I, as you were saying that I was thinking the idea of, right, we can always choose, here's the pleasures of insanity, which are very appealing. And if you find yourself yelling at the TV, Pleasure of insanity most of the time, I would bet you, you know, because what, what are you really doing, right? So, someone's probably yelling at us right now. But... <laughs> I, I, I am sure, ready to give us a pamphlet. And uh, you know, so pleasures of insanity, well, in one way, but but then it's just, it's interesting, you know, one of the things I find so fascinating 
is is the Swedenborgian quote that um, our job is to deliver our best intentions on God's behalf. And the idea we I haven't met anybody who doesn't at least have one good intention, you know, somewhere in there, right? Yeah. And and the idea that God, like that's what God wants to work with pleasures of insanity, that doesn't work so well. You know, it it feels good, it's tintillating, but it's not it's not these deeper and and that's part for me, like. I mean, so much of where you want to know where God's talking to you, like, where are your best, what are your best intentions? You know, when you wake up in the morning and you're thinking, what are your best intentions for the day? Not about anything that's self-aggrandizing, but about other people, how you want to reach out to other people. I, I had one, I had one a couple of days ago and I'd made a comment to someone and, and uh, about this kind of thing. And, and she said, well, what should I do? And I said, well, you know, right now there's somebody you should, te- you should be texting right now to tell them you're thinking about them. And she instantly got it. Like, of course there is for both. You have someone, I, we all have somebody in our mind who were like, oh, yeah, you know, I really should text them just to check out. That's the best intention, right? And that's, that's following God. That's, that's where God, you know, God speaks to us in many ways, but that's one of the most profound, I think. Yeah. And the work, like the work of repentance that Jesus is always saying, repent, repent, repent. That really boils down to just throughout your day, monitor and notice when a pleasure of insanity comes up and say, even though I would like to do that, I'm not going to do it because I believe you never know for sure. But but I believe this is not a good thing to do. Yeah. yeah. So the, the more that that becomes a power, that that becomes what we what our choosing mechanism is based on, that that is allowing that's really saying God I want God to run my life rather than the pleasures of insanity to run my life. Yeah. Much better. Well, and, and, and to get into some nuts and bolts in terms of, you know, uh, Christian new church stuff, how, how would you say, it's like, how would you it's like somebody watching this would be like, uh, I'm a Bible centered Christian. Right. And, and how would, how would you capture how we hold the Bible or the, or the word? How would you, how would you hold yeah. it? I don't think you get any more Bible centered than new church theology because um, everything in it, everything Swedenborg was talking about, he says that this, this comes from the Bible. He actually has an explanation for how the Bible works and what it is. I think the most Bible centered Christian is a little confused by some of it. Like, wait a second, why is God telling all these people to kill all these people? Why do we spend 12 chapters on the dimensions of the, tabernacle and the materials by which you build it um why is there these creatures with multiple eyes all around their body in the book of revelation how is this telling me about how we're supposed to live what's the there's a flood on the earth what so um uh, swedenborg was convinced that the the word is from god and it is applicable to our lives all the time it's the guiding light for humanity and he had this um, great, greater um, explanation of how that is. I mean, the stuff that Jesus has this process where he'll tell you a parable and then tell you its meaning. He'll say, look, this, there's somebody with scattering seeds. This isn't really about seeds. It's about your mind. Yeah, You know that. It's about your reception of the word. And um, Jesus on the road to Emmaus opens up the scriptures, how all the stuff in the Old Testament is about him. Um, I think the new church theology is a vehicle for seeing that in all the words. So that even the stories about 
the dimensions of the tabernacle and what you're supposed to make the curtains out of, I can see how that is actually God telling me about this is how we can grow closer together. So I, I don't know how to get more Bible centered than that. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautifully said. And I, I think, uh, I love, I love looking at the Bible as this beautiful poetic truth, you know, that we take extremely ser- seriously, not all in all, literally, and somehow poetic truth carries more truth than literal truth. You know, I, example I use with people is, you know, if you're, if you're with your wife or your husband, you're seeing a beautiful sunset, who do you want to describe the sunset, a scientist or a poet, you know, and you clearly would want a poet because somehow you know, they'll capture the truth of that more than somebody who probably knows more truth about that in the truth in quotes, right? And in that idea of poetic truth, I find really, really powerful. What will Curtis to, to close here with the few minutes we have left, you know, a, what would a closing word be for you? You know, again, somebody, this will be seen all over the place and, you know, somebody probably be digging this up 20 years from now, or our grandkids will be laughing at, at us looking at this stuff, you know, and, uh, what what would be the what would be the closing thought for you for to share with people? Yeah, everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. If there's any message that that I've found in New Church theology and that's carried me throughout my life is everything's going to be okay. There's a there's a plan that's happening. God is good and God is is wise and knows knows what He's doing. And all the stuff that seems like chaos in life and in the world and everything that seems like it's it's in disrepair and and it's not going to work out. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. And there is a, a warm ending that, that we can move toward. Uh, so I, I, everything you kind of, when you're born as a little kid, you sort of have this picture, everything's great. And at some point that gets shattered you think everything is not great. Actually, everything is going to, we are going to find in the end that everything is great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I love that idea. Like we bump out to the biggest of pictures and, there's a, there's a peace in that, a real shalom, you know, a peacefulness and resting in that. Well, thank you very much, Curtis. And, and we certainly do want to invite you folks. You're, you're welcome to watch New Church Live anytime. You can get more information on our congregation at www.newchurchlive.tv. And Curtis, Swedenborg Foundation. Oh, yeah. Go to um, youtube.com slash off the left eye or go to swedenborg.com. Yeah. And you'll find all kinds of great stuff. And, you know, folks, again, we're always looking for ways to engage. So feel free to reach out. Feel free to join a New Church Live small group or a discussion a discussion gathering over with the Swedenborg Foundation. We, we hope we continue the conversation with you. And with that, wishing you all a wonderful day, week, month, year ahead. Take care. Thanks for listening to the New Church Live podcast. You can find resources and links from this episode in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow and review our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's a free way to support us. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at New Church Live or visit newchurchlive.tv to subscribe to our newsletter. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to check back on Sunday for recording of our weekly sermon, which is uploaded here each week.